We're in Yivamos Chav Gimel Amar Aleph 23a2. The Gemara now is asking what is the source? Essentially what they will be asking is what is the source for the idea that a shifcha, a non-Jewish maidservant or a non-Jewish woman, if they have a child with uh, the father who is Jewish, so then the child is not Jewish. How do you know that it is, patri- it is matrilineal descent. In order to determine whether or not a person is a Jew, a child is a Jew, it goes. we go based on the mother. And the two cases that we are discussing are the cases of a non-Jewish woman or, excuse me, a slightly more nuanced case of a non-Jewish maidservant. A non-Jewish maidservant, uh, when a person, when a non-Jew becomes a slave to a Jew, and when we discuss slaves for a Jew... It, it does not mean the same situation as slaves as the way we think of it. Uh, there's a lot of respect that has to be given towards uh, the worker. It's really a, a full-time worker. And uh, we'll hopefully, as we go through the various Gemaras, we will learn more and more about what exactly is their role. But when a non-Jew becomes a slave, whether it's a male or a female, they have a quasi-status of a Jew. They're not really a Jew yet, but they are obligated in the same mitzvos as as women. They're obligated in in uh, many of the mitzvos and many of the commandments. Once they are freed from their slavery, so then they become fully Jewish. They do become fully Jewish, and then they have to keep all the entire Torah. Uh, so we are discussing, besides for a regular non-Jew, we are also discussing a non-Jewish maidservant. That non-Jewish maidservant if she has a child because she's not fully Jewish, or she, because she just all she does is she keeps some of the laws, not all of the laws, and therefore she's not Jewish yet, so then her child is also not Jewish. And the question is, what is the source for this idea? Which is actually a part of this discussion we had uh, earlier in Yevamos. We had it about uh, five, six weeks ago, uh, this discussion with regards to a non-Jew. Uh, this Gemara is adding a little bit because it's also adding with regard to a non-Jewish maidservant who has some sort of quasi-status, it's hard to call her Jewish, but she has some sort of commandments that she has to keep more so than a non-Jew, uh, and so therefore she has to keep some mitzvot, but nevertheless her child is also viewed as not being Jewish. The reason why we're coming on to this discussion is because Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, from the last recording, he essentially proves from the verse of Bas Eishas Avicha that when it comes to your sister who is your, you share a father but her mother is not Jewish, then she's not Jewish. So that essentially is the source, according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, that is the source uh, for the idea that uh, the child is not Jewish. If the mother is not Jewish, so then the child is not Jewish. So the Gemara one asks, According to the other opinion, if you recall, this was a dispute how to understand that verse. According to the position, the Rabbanon who disagree, how do they understand what is the source of the idea that a child, when the mother is not Jewish, that the child is also not Jewish? So the Gemara answers, according to the Rabbanon, they learned that from me, it comes from the verse which says, that with regards to a maidservant, this is specifically in the context of a maidservant, with regards to a maidservant, a maidservant and her children belong to the master. That if a maidservant has a child, so then that child also becomes a servant uh, to the owner, to the master. And uh, 
that teaches us also that the child is not Jewish. Not only does the child belong to the uh, owner, but the child also connects with the mother. If it were to connect with the father, so then the child really should belong to the father. But the fact that it connects to the master and connects to the mother, that proves to us that there's a strong connection to the mother, and therefore the child is also not uh, Jewish. So that proves to us, this verse proves to us, that if the mother is a, maid, is a non-Jewish maidservant, so then the child is also not Jewish. So the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, why didn't Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, learn from this verse? Why does he need our verse of Bas Eishas Avicha? Why can't he learn from this verse? That with regards to a maidservant, her children also become servants. And therefore they follow her and they're also not Jewish. Why doesn't Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, learn from that verse? So the Gemara answers, he does. He, in fact, he does. He does learn from that verse. However, we need two different verses. One is with regards to the maidservant, but we still need a different verse when it comes to the child of an non-Jew, of somebody who's completely not Jewish. And that's why we need to tell me that even if it's also if it's the child of an non-Jew, so then, uh, so then the child is also not Jewish. Why do I need two different verses? The Gemara says, and the Gemara explains, it's a very interesting idea. We need both. Why? If I had the case of Shekha Mishum de In Lachayas Avalovedaskochavim de Islachayas Imalaw. When it comes to a servant, we would say that the child is not Jewish because there's a principle that when it comes to a servant, to the slave, they're viewed as though not as though they don't have any legal family relationships. It's halachically viewed like they don't have a, a legal family relationship as a servant, specifically because they're servants, but maybe if the mother was not Jewish, not a servant, but just a regular, a non-Jew, so then maybe there is a connection. They're, they do have legal family relationships. And then maybe the child is Jewish. It's maybe specifically because of being the, the child of a servant, of this slave who's a maidservant, that's why there's no connection and the child's not Jewish. So that's why we also need a verse with regards to the non-Jew, that the non-Jewish mother also when she has a child, that the, that the child is also uh, not Jewish. The Gemara also says, And if we only had the verse that was discussing the non-Jew, somebody who's, the mother is completely not Jewish, and that's why the child is not Jewish, the child also is not Jewish because we go based on matrilineal descent, so then one might have thought, but if it's a maidservant, where the maidservant at least is obligated in some mitzvahs, maybe the child is Jewish. So that's why we need both verses. In both directions, we have reasons to say that you shouldn't apply it to the other case. Uh, either because the maidservant doesn't have any legal family connections, or because the non-Jew it doesn't have any mitzvos, but the maidservant does have mitzvos. So you cannot learn out one from the other. So therefore, we, according to Rehoshim Rebbe Yehuda, we need two verses, one to teach us about the maidservant, and one to teach us about the non-Jew, that for both of them, the child is not Jewish. So that's what the Gemara says, and the Gemara says, Tricha, that's why we need both verses. Oh, so then that's Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Huda, why you need two verses. But now we go back to the opposing opinion. The Gemara says, according to the Rabbanan also, they should also require two verses. One verse that teaches about the maidservant, which the Rabbanan already mentioned, Ha'isha that the maidservant and her daughters and her children go to the master, so that makes sense. But what's their other verse? They need another verse to teach us about a non-Jew because we cannot learn one from the other. So the answer is they have a totally different source. 
They have a totally different source. What's their source? Amr Rabbi Yochai Mishim Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai says, Amr Kra. The verse says, Ki Yasser Ben Chamel Chorai. Now this source is what we had a few weeks ago, about over a month ago. This source says, Ki Yasser Ben Chamel Chorai. He will turn your son away from me. This is discussing a scenario. If you look at the Torah, where this Sukkim, where these verses are found, it's saying that what happens if your daughter marries an Anjou? This is how Rashi understands it. Marries a non-Jew. Um, and then that, that non-Jew, they then have a child. And that non-Jew, the non-Jewish father, uh, convinces his son, who's Jewish, to, uh, to, uh, to turn away from God. To turn, to separate from Hashem. Uh, and that is what the Gemara, that is what the verse, the verse is discussing. What happens if the, your non-Jewish son-in-law convinces your grandson to veer off away from the path of Torah. And so they learn out from there, as Rashi explains, it's only discussing the scenario of where your son-in-law is not Jewish. Because if your daughter-in-law were to be a non-Jew, so then there's no discussion here. Because if your daughter-in-law is not Jewish, so then your grandchild is also not Jewish. And so it's specifically when your son-in-law is not Jewish, so then there's this concern that the son-in-law will convince the grandson to not follow the ways of the Torah. But if the daughter-in-law is not Jewish, there's no real concern because the grandson is not Jewish anyways. And so from here we learn, according to this opinion of the Rabbanon, It's only, a, a, the child is only Jewish if their mother is Jewish. So Amar Avina, the Gemara says, So Ravina has the statement where he says, if your daughter has a son, uh, even though the daughter married a non-Jew, still it's called your it's called your son, he's Jewish, because since your daughter is the one who had, is the mother, the mother is Jewish, even if she married somebody who is not Jewish, which is not allowed, uh, but the child is called your son, it's still, he's still called someone who is a Jewish. The Gemara asks, Are you telling me, says the Gemara, that if there's a non-Jew and a Jew uh, who... Uh, where it's a Jewish mother and they have a child, you're telling me that the child is completely kosher. Completely kosher. Is that what you're telling me? How could he be completely kosher? So the Gemara says, no, he's not a mamzer. The child is not a mamzer. But kosher nami lohava. He's still not completely kosher. Because it's a, it, the parents of one's a Jew and one's a non-Jew. The mother's Jewish. The father's not Jewish. It's still Yisrael puzzle Mekri. He's still somebody called, which is a puzzle. He's called puzzle meaning he doesn't have access. He or she doesn't, the child does not have access to kahuna. To becoming a Kohen, to having the certain rights of the Kohen, of the of the Shevet of, of the Kohen, of the of the priesthood, they don't have rights, they don't have the ability to get that, but they still are viewed as Jewish. Just parenthetically, there's a very interesting discussion within that relationship where the mother is not, is Jewish and the father is not Jewish. Uh, it seems to be, according to the way Rashi understands it, that the child is not a mamzer. But why isn't the child a mamzer? We should say the child is a mamzer. Why? Because since we said that a Jew and a non-Jew, it's not viewed as though they're married. You cannot marry legally, halakhically marry a non-Jew. It's not viewed as a marriage. So then the child should be viewed as a mamzer. The child should be a mamzer. Why isn't the child a mamzer? So this is a big discussion. According to some opinions, the child, in fact, is a mamzer. There are opinions that say that the child would be viewed as a mamzer. However, others say that, no, the child is not a mamzer. Why not? So the different answers that are given, we'll just share one answer. One interesting answer is that a mamzer is only if they are the child of both parents. 
they have a certain relationship, halachic connection, legal connection to both parents. So then, if the parents were not, or people who were not able to, to be married to each other, uh, so then the child is a mom's heir. However, in this scenario, interestingly enough, because the father is not Jewish, we say it's as if they don't have a connection to their father. They, it's like they only have one parent. Their parent is a Jew. So if that's the case, if it's viewed as if they only have one parent, uh, so then the child is not a mamzer because the mamzer, the child is not a product of two people who were not allowed to marry each other. Really, the child, halachically speaking, is only viewed as connected uh, to the mother, which is who is Jewish, which is a very interesting perspective. We have a few more lines in the Gemara. The Gemara says that with regards to this case of of the son-in-law convincing his own child, who's Jewish, to uh, turn away from Hashem, the Gemara says, "Hai b'shiva These verses are found within the context of the Shiva Umos, of the seven nations. The seven nations were the nations that lived in the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. At the time, they were known to be very serious idol worshippers. They were, they were extreme idol worshippers, and there was this concern that they'll convince uh, other Jews, especially their own child, who, when they marry a Jew, their own child, that they'll convince them to become idol worshippers. So how do we know if the, if the verse is only referring to uh, the seven nations in Israel, how do we know that maybe the child is only matrilineal descent if we go based on uh, if they marry somebody who's part of the seven nations, the seven nations in the land of Canaan. But any other non-Jew, maybe uh, maybe if the mother is not Jewish, that we will say, we won't go based on matrilineal descent alone. Uh, Maybe we would go based on patrilineal descent. How do we know? Because these laws are only within the context of the Shiva Umos, of the seven nations. The Gemara answer is, Kiyosu the rabbos call him a seer. No, the verse says kiyosu. It's true that the context is some of the seven nations, but the verse also says kiyosu when they turn you away. When they turn you away, that concern is not just, even though idol worship was extreme in those lands, but it's not doesn't it's not limited to uh, the cases of the seven nations. It applies to all non-Jews. There's this concern for all non-Jews that they will cause their child to stray away from God. And so for all non-Jews, that's what the verse is referring to. And therefore, with regards to all non-Jews, we go based on matrilineal descent when there's a intermarriage. How do we determine whether the child is Jewish or not? That is based on matrilineal descent. The Gemara asks, with one last line, uh, which this last line requires much analysis, which we do not have time for, unfortunately. The Gemara asks that we just said, what did we just say? We said that the verse itself, the literal explanation of the verse is talking about the seven nations. But we said, really, the conceptual idea behind it applies to everybody. It applies to all non-Jews, that they're going to convince their son to to turn away from God. So that only makes sense if you're of the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon has opinion in other places in the Gemara as well. This is a global opinion that where Rabbi Shimon says that we have the ability to just to add on to, to more than just the literal meaning of the verse. If it's if it's uh, the root the ideas behind it apply in other scenarios as well. So since the idea of causing a child to stray away from God could apply both with regards to the seven nations and with regards to other non-Jews, so therefore it makes sense for Shimon to say that, you know what, we'll extend it beyond just the literal translation and we'll say it applies to all non-Jews. But for the Rabbanon, for there's an opinion that argues in Shimon and says that, no, if, if that's the translation, so then we're not, we can't go ahead and start extending laws based on the reasons behind the laws, if that's what the verse tells us, and that's the literal meaning behind the verse, so then we have to stick with it. So how does the Rabbana know, how do they know that a non-Jew 
uh, if there's an intermarriage between a non-Jew and a Jew, that we go based on matrilineal descent. According to the Rabbanon, the verse should only be referring to the seven nations, not to other non-Jews. So the Gemara answers, one last line, the Gemara says that's true. But it happens to be that the one that says, uh, that argues in Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, is this opinion of Rabbi Shimon, meaning it's true. According to the Rabbanon, we don't have a proof. We only have a proof for the seven nations. But this opinion that we're following with here, this is an opinion that follows that holds like Rabbi Shimon, who says that we are Dorish time as a crowd. We do, in fact, uh, could apply the reasons behind the laws to extend it beyond just the literal translation of of the uh, of the verse. And even though the literal translation of the verse is limiting it to the seven nations, because the ideas behind this this uh, this mitzvah or this avera, this sin is applies beyond uh, beyond just uh, the seven nations. It applies to all non-Jews. So therefore, we will say that it does apply to all non-Jews. And this, in fact, is the source. This is our source for the concept that we go based on matrilineal descent. is based on this verse that says that specifically when it's your son-in-law who's not Jewish, so then we're concerned that they're going to convince his child, whose child who is Jewish, because he married a Jew. He married your daughter who's Jewish. That's the case where we're concerned, but we're not concerned in the other case because in the other case, uh, the mother is not Jewish and then the child is also not Jewish. So this Gemara is very important because this is the source, the source for the concept of matrilineal descent. And we believe in matrilineal descent from the very beginning of the giving, the receiving of the Torah. That throughout history, uh, Jews have followed matrilineal descent.